So you've decided to give up that old behavior that's been killing you and all you care for and surrender to a power greater than yourself. That's the first step. Surrender is what opens the prison door. Now it's time to walk through that door and into a whole new way of life. Spirituality, self-care, service, social connection, and the simple daily disciplines that pave the way to lasting freedom. This is Positive Sobriety. Welcome to another episode of the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Oh, here it is. I don't know when you're listening to this show, but we're recording it in early spring 2021. Uh, winter has made one last gasp here in Middle Tennessee. It was just <laughs> the tiniest film of frost uh, outside. We approached freezing last night. I, I, I think that's going to be the last time this year. Dan. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know about you. I, I wasn't prepared to have to put on my winter coat to take the dog out at 6 a.m. I mean, it was 30, 36 freaking degrees in the middle of yeah. the end of April here in, in yeah, Tennessee. Yeah. So, yeah, there I am. And, and our Canadian listeners, some of them are still looking at snow. So yeah. they, they, they just think we're being babies. Yeah, we're whining. I, I, you know what? I had a, I don't know about you, but I had a bit of a busy week. Uh, went with uh, a few friends and business associates uh, to look at a business opportunity out of state. Got on a, an airplane, David, for the first time wow. in a long while. Flying again. And the, the last time I have flown once since the pandemic began, uh, flew Southwest, which has a hub here in Nashville. That's my preferred airline. At that time, they weren't seating anybody in the center seats. Right. That was kind of yeah. nice. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they may even have been doing alternating rows. I don't remember. I'll tell you what, uh, those rules uh, are history. <laughs> I was on, I was on packed planes. I was in airports that were just congested. It seems like, you know, everybody decided to travel last week. Oh man. Yeah. I'm hearing that the travel is picking up, but I'm also hearing that there is a level of stress on these planes that, um, <laughs> is kind yeah. of, it, it's, it's, uh, it's showing up, let's say. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, yeah. I sat next to a coffer, oh, God. A, a woman who was coughing. Yeah. Oh, nice. It was, yeah, 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 yeah. And we did. No, thank God. I'm fully vaccinated. So I'm, I'm not anx anxiety. -ridden. I did. I had a, a few hours to myself at the end of our meetings. I was in Northern Virginia and flying out of Reagan. So um, I had some time to go to our nation's capital, oh. you know, drove into the city, park, parked down by the, by the Washington Monument. And I got to tell you, David, it was eerie. It was weird walking around the city. Oh, wow. I bet. Because uh, Washington is still, D.C. at this point is still locked down. All the monuments, all the federal buildings, all the museums are closed, Smithsonian, everything. Mm -hmm. There's no, there are no tourist buses, no crowds of tourists. The roads, streets are practically deserted. I'm just waltzing through 
Uh, but there's still plenty of security. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the people that you do see are a, a lot of them uniformed and, mm-hmm. you know, there are weapons in evidence. And yeah. Good gosh. Yeah. My son-in-law it, ended up at, uh, he's in the National Guard and he ended up in D.C., um, you know, like the day after the invasion on the Capitol. Uh, and it was right, 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 you know, right. very, very tense there. And he said the atmosphere there is still, you know, he's, although he's home, but he said it, even when he left, the atmosphere is still very, very tenuous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I do have to tell you that between all of that, the stress of flying, the tension of being uh, in a city that I have always enjoyed and felt very much at home, but now it was just kind of awkward and weird and tense and strange. And then the uncertainty around uh, the business opportunity that we were investigating that turned out to be not exactly as advertised. Oh boy. Uh, the air, uh, staying at an Airbnb that certainly was not as advertised. <laughs> oh, well, uh, man. This trip's just <laughs> getting better and better. <laughs> so, so you braved a coffer on a stressful flight to go to a city that's still under lockdown, to go to an opportunity that wasn't what you thought, to stay in a place that was really kind of lousy. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just so I'm making sure we've got the chronology here. That's exactly <laughs> it. And surprise, surprise, I felt the urge to use. Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah. The, your yeah, amygdala yeah, yeah. kicked in and said, we are not okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'm grateful that I didn't have to go there. Uh, I'm quite sure that I would have benefited from a few of the skills that are taught by uh, this week's guest. I can't wait to get a hold of her book. Uh, and I'm certain that our listeners are going to benefit from the conversation. Absolutely. We have, yeah, we have modern Nan Webster with us today. Stick with us. You're going to like this. We'll be back in a minute on the positive sobriety podcast. Welcome back to the positive sobriety podcast. Well, uh, David, as you know, uh, you know, addiction behavior develops uh, when we are uncomfortable in our own skin. There are stressful situations that we do not know how to handle. We try to find a workaround, some way to cope, and, uh, and we make a poor choice and choose something that in the long run uh, actually adds stress to our lives instead of uh, limiting it. So you have found for us somebody who knows a whole lot about a healthy way for us uh, to deal with stress, to lower anxiety. She's written a book. She's joining us today from Napa, California. Modern Ann uh, uh, Webster, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Nathan. Oh, it's so good to have you. 
So, David, you, you've had some preliminary discussions with this woman. What what is it that captured uh, your interest? Why is it that you insisted we had to have uh, Modern Nan on the show? Well, for one thing, um, I the book title caught my eye, "The Stressless Brain," and I thought that was very interesting. And I wondered, "The Stressless Brain." The Stressless Brain is her book, and she's also a therapist. And so I thought, well, you know, the people that I deal with, I deal, you know, as everybody knows, with recovering people, uh, mostly mm-hmm. substance use disorder issues. And, um, you know, when we talk about stress and anxiety, which every single person has in the whole world in some level or another, um, you know, my, my clients can't just go to the doctor and say, you know, that stuff you give other people, how about giving me some of that for stress and anxiety? Because <laughs> <laughs> <Right. laughs> that they, they've done that a, a dozen or so times and it has not ended well at all. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, you know, wouldn't it be great to continue having some discussions about the, the practice of um, mindfulness and um, holistic organic approaches uh, to physiological issues. And so rather than me talk, Modern Nan, I want you to um, join the discussion here. But first, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for making the time. Um, But tell us a little bit about how you, uh, how did you delve into this area of mindfulness and and, uh, stress reduction reduction and yoga and uh, the type of yoga that you do and all those things you practice? Yeah, so I've been a psychotherapist for over 20 years, and I grew up in a yoga ashram-like environment. So, you know, mm-hmm. what li- some like to call the, the woo-woo world. And, um, Only in the South. In California. <laughs> There's a shock. Yeah. Well, well, the funny thing is I'm actually not Californian. I, I was born in Amsterdam. I grew up in Germany. I've lived wow. in the States. I've lived in Canada. My husband's Canadian. So I kind of consider myself a, you know, a world a world citizen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that's nice. great. That's really great. Yeah. So, you know, what What happened was, is that I grew up in this mindfulness yoga world that, you know, in some ways is really amazing and really exciting. And in some ways, really strange and really different and odd. And mm-hmm. when I was working as a psychotherapist in California, I found that Um, people that were coming to my yoga classes, which I teach Kundalini yoga and meditation, people who were coming to my yoga classes would sometimes end up finding that I'm also a psychotherapist. They would find me on their own. And then they would be in our sessions being like, Hey, talk a little bit more about what you're talking about in class. Because the way I teach my yoga classes is it's not that it's just the stretching yoga and just breathing. Breathing is great. And I can get into that. But I really feel that yoga is a meditation for your organs and glands. And meditation is a tool for your brain and your mind. Mm. And so I would always have different topics around anxiety, stress, depression, relationships, anger, frustration, surrender, fear. And I would just have random topics. And so people started asking me to talk about that in my therapy so I started blending the two. And once I did that, oh my goodness, things just took off. And being a therapist, I read a lot of books. I, I love learning. I'm in a course right now. I'm actually in two courses. I'm writing my second book. I love learning. It really feeds my soul. Yeah. And, and I was like, you know, reading a lot of self-help books. And I'm like, you know, God, these self-help books, not all of them. I mean, I'm de- definitely generalizing here. But a lot of the ones I read were 
really great on empathy and sympathy. And you would read the book and be like, oh my God, they get me. They, oh yeah, yeah, I have that. Oh yeah, that sounds great. Oh yeah. And then you kind of finish the book and you're like, uh, but I don't know what to do to change it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that yeah. frustrated me. And that frustrates people. I think it's, you know, people will come and tell you, I have this issue. And often even therapists will end up talking about the issue for a whole hour. Mm-hmm. But then you go home, you feel a little bit better, but it lasts maybe, you know, maybe a day or two, maybe a week if it was a really great session. Mm-hmm. But then you kind of start feeling that, you know, that nagging feeling of anger or anxiety or depression. And so what I did is I wrote a book, half my book is literally just tools and actual, you know, interventions, meditations that you can use daily, weekly to create a change in in your mind, body, and spirit. Mm. And there is science that backs it up. And so I bring a lot of science and research in to kind of help demystifies the woo-woo-ness of it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well put. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, in that list of topics that you rattled off there, the kind of things that your students were asking you about, uh, I caught the word surrender. That's uh, that's a word that we use here. In fact, it's on the intro to the show. Uh, yeah, what insights would you uh, give to your students around the topic of surrender? So surrender is a really, really important part of shifting from our human experience into our soul experience and our spirit. And connecting mm-hmm. to a higher power, if it's God or Jesus or Muhammad or Mother Earth or the sun or the moon or an energy force, there is a level of surrendering because you're choosing to believe in something you can't hear, see, and touch. Mm-hmm. And in the Eastern philosophies and, and most Eastern religions, surrender is a very powerful and empowering word. In the West, AKA mostly I would say the United States surrender is kind of considered a dirty word. Like I'm not surrendering myself. I'm not giving my power up. And so there can be this, this fight within us. The thing is about surrender is about, you know, if we look at it through the, the lens of psychology, surrender is letting go of the attachment to outcome, the attachment to how things should be. And, the, you know, like there's that great saying, don't shoulda on yourself. Yeah. Right, 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 right. So right, right. surrender is the ability to be able to not just give up. Some some people think surrendering is just giving up. Like I'm just going to give up and, and, and I'm just going to trust whatever happens. And they do nothing. And then they wonder, right. why isn't anything changing? Mm-hmm. Surrender is about letting go of the attachment of how we perceive something to be, our attachment to the outcome, how we want things to be. And the want and the attachment is going to be impacted by our past traumas and dramas. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the reasons why we want to work on our, our past stories, our pain, our suffering, you know, that baggage we carry, we, we want to work on it so that we can shift the lens so that our focus on what we want in life, you know, our attachment to outcome can shift. Part of surrendering, you know, it's easy to say it, it's really hard to do it. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Sure. Especially if you're stressed and anxious or angry or scared or sad. And, you know, even with, you know, with addiction, that's what happens is that when these emotions come up, it's like this whoosh feeling sometimes. And all of a sudden, the feeling to want to use or the feeling to want to do a behavior that's not kind for our body, mind, and spirit is, is tugging at us because we'll have this this, we've been taken over by these lenses of the past, which are these attachments. And we can get stuck in the attachments even to pain. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, in my book, there is one, you know, meditation, Kundalini yoga meditation is odd. And I tell people that all the time, it is odd, but it's so great because it works on your breath. It works on your body and it helps to create more focus. When we, when we're getting triggered or we have that wish feeling and we're losing the connection to our like functioning self mm-hmm. and we're getting, you know, we're, we're operating from our, like life's not fair or, you know, why is it always happening to me or, oh my God, I'm feeling so uncomfortable. I can feel this like buzzing in my body, which is an anxiety feeling that mm-hmm. people sometimes mm-hmm. get. Yeah. And that can cause the, you know, wanting to check out. But when that happens if we can even just for three minutes do a little meditation, which is a breath one or a chanting one or a movement one or com- a combination of all three, we can change the channel and it keeps connecting us to our higher sense of self, which is the yogis call it the soul identity. In recovery, we call it spirit. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's about being connected to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's that. That is also good. Um, you mentioned the attachment to pain. Um, yeah. uh, tell me a little bit more about what you mean by that. So, you know, pain. There's different kinds of pain. So let's just say that there's the there's the emotional pain and there's physical pain. Right. Often, it's the emotional pain that has a deeper hook into us. And what some of that has to do with not being able to make sense of the situation, because some of our painful past traumas are senseless. They, they don't make sense. Yeah. They're, they're, they're horrible. They're, they're crazy. They're, they're shocking. Here's the thing is when, let's just say a town has, like in our town, we had the horrible fires in 2017. Mm-hmm. And every, you know, it was affected all of us. I was evacuated. I didn't know if I was going to lose my home. And it's this catastrophic event that affected the whole town. Here's the right. thing: why it doesn't become a huge stressor for some people long term is because we all talk about it. Oh my God, did you hear about the fire? I heard. Oh yeah, did it affect you? Were you? Oh, what happened? And, and we're verbally processing. When we have trauma, drama, usually it's our childhood or our young adult. And it's, if it's around drinking or abuse, all kinds of abuse or money issues, and there's a lot of shame around it, we don't talk mm-hmm. about it. So it gets stuck inside of us and it sometimes can become an unfamiliar friend. It's, you know, it's that, that misery loves company. It's familiar. We know what it feels like when we feel the pain. We've been there many, many times, depending on our age. And so sometimes we can get stuck in it. And when we work really hard to separate from it, 
We can go through our life, everything's fine, everything's fine, and then something happens. It could be the color of someone's jacket. It could be a sentence somebody said. It could be a song we hear. It could be a food that's being offered. And it can trigger that that lens from our past. And all of a sudden, whoop, we're looking at our current situation through the lens of the trauma. And it's familiar. Mm-hmm. It's comfortable. We're hooked in it. Mm-hmm. Unless we can say, oh, that's my lens from 1987. Mm-hmm. That's my lens from when this and this happened. I'm in 2021, functioning adult, separate. Then you go, you call your sponsor, you call your therapist, you call your good, healthy friend, and you say, hey, I got to talk about this memory popped up for me. Mm-hmm. And and if we can talk about the memory, then we can connect to the feelings. Because I'm noticing recently, especially with men, have a really hard time talking about feelings. I ask them how they're feeling, and they tell me what they think. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and so sometimes you have to just get comfortable talking about this this trigger, this memory, and then you can drop into well, what did it bring up in you? Mm-hmm. Oh, my, my stomach tightened. Oh, go ahead, Nathan. Yeah, yeah. You're talking about a process that is very collaborative. Um, it, it, it seems as though it requires connection to and the involvement of other people. Uh, so it's not just buying the book, going off by myself, reading the book, doing the private practice, and I'm going to find my way to mental and emotional health. Uh, do you agree with uh, you know the, the the current saying that the opposite of addiction is uh, is not uh, how do they put it is not uh, sobriety but connection? Uh, um, how vital how yeah. vital is is connection to stress reduction to the kind of health that you're describing? Well, connection is super important because most of us aren't even connected to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Ah. <laughs> You know, so, so, you know, yes, I I think that people who have, you know, and again, I don't want to generalize everyone has their own stories, you know, individuals who have a a deeper, more painful or shocking or, you know, something they haven't dealt with issue should Mm -hmm. get support from a therapist. And I talk about this in my book, like, you know, there's no shame in asking for help from someone while you're using the book. You know, there's no, there's no shame. I mean, I think part of, part of being sober is telling somebody I'm choosing to be sober. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So it's connection. But the piece is that most of us don't know how to be connected to ourselves. And, and we tend to need other people to create esteem for ourselves. We need to have achievements to create esteem for ourselves. And what I mean is that self-esteem of self-love and self-worth and, and self-acceptance and sitting in our stuff and, and, and doing it through a healthy sense of self, that's when we really, really can move mountains inside of us. Mm. But mm-hmm. if, if we don't have that sense of connection with ourselves and seeing ourselves through loving eyes, which we may never have learned to do that because of how our parents treated us, even good parents. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 Uh, Modern Nan, would you say that um, most of the stress that we experience in our lives um, is really rooted in our attachment to outcomes? 
expectations? I think so. I think so because part of it is is when we're in a situation, if it's something at work or something in your relationship, if we get so attached to something happening or not happening or being heard or not being heard and we can get attached, then we can start to spiral. And then when we're in that situation, we really feel really anxious. And even if we just, we're not in it, but we're thinking about it, mm-hmm. we can be anxious. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in the yogic philosophy, our mind thinks in polarities, our mind and talk about this in the book, the mind thinks about right, wrong, good, bad, stop, go. Mm-hmm. And the amygdala, which is all about fight, flight, and fright, right, flight, right. fight, flight, and freeze, which is the science, you know, medical part, doesn't have an attachment to outcome. But mm. but it's how our mind makes sense of something. Like if we look at something and we're like, he, she's good, then our amygdala goes, oh, okay, I can relax. He, she's bad, our amygdala goes, okay, I have to be alert. You know, if we get cut off by someone on the street, if we attach an attachment of that guy, they're such a jerk. Why did they do that? I always tell people they don't even know who you are. Like, why are you <laughs> wasting your breath? Right. Mm-hmm. So it's being unattached to creating a story about being cut off. Now, mm-hmm. you know, that's a simple. You know, well, for some it's simple. For some people, it's really hard. They get some you know, rage. We hear about road rage in our country, mm-hmm. right? But if we can practice seeing things, and I have this tool I teach people. This is not in my book, but this is a phenomenal tool. When you have a reoccurring thought that haunts you, or you're feeling conflict in a relationship, a relationship that you want to keep in your life or even a relationship you don't want to keep in your life. Mm-hmm. What you do is you want to bless the situation. So if God is a positive word for you, you can say, God bless Joe. If it's not a positive word for you, then you just say, you know, bless Joe. Mm-hmm. Because quantum physics says whatever energy you put out comes back tenfold. So if you've just broken up with someone or you're having an argument with your spouse who you love and want to be with, but you're really mad at them right now, or, or you're lonely and you just, you know, you would bless the situation or bless the person because you want to create that healthy energy between the two of you. Mm -hmm. The second sentence is I let go of my attachment. This is so key. Because that is the attachment that that we're cutting. So when you say, God bless Joe or bless Joe, and then you say, I let go of my attachments, you're cutting this invisible string. So what I have found in my own, you know, 20-something years of therapy, working with people, is when we have these traumas and dramas and interactions with people, we create these invisible strings that hook us. And I was, I'm not a fishing person. I never fish, but I do know that a fishing hook has two hooks. It has one that snags the fish and one that hooks the fish. It can't get it out. It can't release the hook. Mm-hmm. That's how experiences are with people. So if you've, like, let's say you have a trauma from your past and every time you think of it in any sorts, it triggers, <clears throat> it triggers your your emotions, your body, you're having physical sensation, mental sensations. Sometimes that's when people are more likely to want to drink or, or use or whatever, eat, you know, shop, sex, whatever it is. 
if we can start, and it's really hard, this is part of the surrender, and this is hard to do, you start blessing the situation. Maybe it's hard to bless the person because they really hurt you. And you're like, Oh, my God, I just can't do that. Mm-hmm. Just start mm-hmm. blessing the situation. Bless it, even bless your little your little being from the story. And then you say, I let go of my attachments, you start over time, cutting those invisible strings that connect you. And over time, you'll find, wow, you know, that event isn't as charged as it used to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. I yeah. love that. And and I'm sure, Modern Nan, you, if you've, I don't know if you've spent any time in the South. This is just a, an aside for, for what it's yeah, worth. Yeah. Um, we have a thing here in the culture that is uh, bless her heart or bless his heart. And then that what that is in the South is that's a license. You can say anything horrible about that person after that that you want to. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> in other words, you know, bless his heart. Yeah. He's the laziest soul that ever walked the earth. Or bless her right. heart. She just couldn't find her way out of a paper sack. Bless her. You know, right. and, and so we throw yeah. out, we say bless her heart, but we're not really blessing them. So anyway, just for our Southern listeners, right. we were, we're talking I... about positive affirmations here, right? So. Yeah. Well, well, you know. <laughs> It's, but you know what we we are society that loves to gossip. Oh God! Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh my goodness! We often connect with people through gossiping. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, did you hear what happened? Oh, I didn't hear. Mm-hmm. And 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 we sometimes think that's a connection, mm. but it's not. It's 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 at the expense of someone else. It might just be facts that you're sharing, but is it your facts to share? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. and then you're actually bonding through negative energy. You're talking about somebody versus having philosophical conversations or talk about your own stuff. Mm-hmm. You, does, you could say, go ahead. Does gossip increase our stress? Our oh, stress for sure. levels? Yeah. Well, I always think if someone's gossiping to me, they must be gossiping about me when I'm not around. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably fair. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Modern Nan, I have only recently begun to experiment with breathing. It's amazing. It's this involuntary process that over which we can exercise voluntary control, mm-hmm. and 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 it does some crazy stuff. It has some amazing effects when you actually pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm a just a just a rank amateur, a real newbie. I barely scratched the surface on on breath work. What kind of breath work, uh, in your experience, is most helpful in stress reduction? What, what's the kind of stuff you recommend? So I find that people who don't have a lot of experience with meditation and don't have a lot of experience with mindfulness, and they're trying to bring it into their life, sitting silently and observing their thoughts, breathing long and deep, can sometimes be anxiety-producing. Provo- so there's actually something called relaxation-induced anxiety. Some people can do it and that's great, <laughs> but some people sit down and they're just like, they get more anxious when mm, they're just uh-huh. sitting silent. So w- what I have found has been more useful is when I give people with anxiety and stress a task in the meditation. So one example would be there's a meditation that's to connect to your intuition and so there is, there's a posture with it, which is in the book, but you put your hands, what they call it Venus lock, when you interlace all your fingers and extend your, your index finger out, kind of like, I don't know if you remember in the old days, you know, the steeple and here are all oh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. So you So you have this, you know, you have like a church, like or a steeple, you have the f- fingers straight up and your thumbs crossed. 
and you have your hands in front of your your upper chest and your throat so that your fingers are right below your nose. So you're sitting comfortably. You can be in a chair. You can be sitting on the ground. So you're doing this and you're having your eyes a little bit open as you look down the bridge of your nose to the tips of your finger. So there already you're doing two things. Then the third is the breath. You're going to inhale in four sniffs through your mouth. And you hold your breath and you exhale through the nose. Oh, excuse me, I got it backwards. It's inhale through the nose, exhale through the mouth. So you're doing this simple. You could do it for three minutes. And so the yogis have found that when you look down the bridge of your nose and you have that focus, you're actually activating the pituitary gland, which is the frontal lobe. This is not scientifically proven yet, but this is what the yogis say. What science says is that when you do breathing meditations, you can increase the GABA amino acid in your frontal lobe, which GABA has found to be relaxing and calming. You actually can buy GABA in a store and chew it. It's totally non-addictive. You chew it mm-hmm. and it calms you. So you could work with a practitioner. That's one of the courses I'm taking right now is how to prescribe supplements for mental health issues. Oh, wow. But meditation does it for free. You don't have mm-hmm. to go to the store. You just do it. The other thing is, is that when you have the sniffs in the breath, like when you have a pulse in your breath and a rhythm in your breath, it mm-hmm. actually can activate your vagus nerve. And the yogis believe that when you stimulate the vagus nerve, that you can calm your whole system. And science says the same. When you stimulate the vagus nerve, it can lower the inflammation in your body. And higher inflammation leads to anxiety and depression. It leads to autoimmune diseases. And so when you stimulate the vagus nerve, which connects to every organ and gland in your body, except for your adrenals, because your adrenals are the fight or flight. And you don't want those to be relaxed. You want those to be alert. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that for most of us, they're alert all the time. And that Mm -hmm. creates another problem. So by working with the vagus nerve in meditation breath, you can over time help the you know the mind and the body relax through the stimulation of the vagus nerve. So that's a simple one. If if that seems even too complicated, there's I have a meditations for the vagus nerve, and they are there's like there's a um, a four one which is and you can do it laying down. You can do it sitting in your chair. You can do it you know, sitting on the ground, and you would just inhale and four sniffs through the nose. And imagine your lungs, so your lungs are there and you're each sniff, you're, in, you're filling it up with oxygen. And on the fourth sniff, it's full. And then you hold your breath at the top. And then you do a long, deep breath, exhale as you empty your, your CO2 out. What's important at the end of the exhale is you want to pull the navel, your belly button, you pull it into the back of the spine. The reason why this is important, this is a yogic philosophy, is is that they believe that that activates your sense of awareness. So remember we were talking about what's the most, you know, having connections with others. That's important. Sorry, there's a my landlord's dog. Um, We didn't hear it. (laughs) Oh, okay, perfect. Yeah, we're good. (laughs) So, okay, good. So, but, you know, meditation builds that connection with ourself. And by pulling the navel in at the end of the exhale, just for like five seconds three seconds, 
then you prepare yourself for your inhale and you start from the base and you increase it and you increase the four and that you do it for one minute, three minutes. Science has found three minutes lowers your blood pressure. And I, I had a mm-hmm. client try it. I had, a, I was doing a meditation course years ago and she was very skeptical. She was like, I don't know if this woo woo stuff works or anything. And she has really high, high, high blood pressure. I was on all this medication. And she's home and she's like, I'm going to try this. And she said she tried it. And then her dogs distracted her. And she's like, ah, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to check my blood pressure. She checked it. She was like, oh my God, it was almost normal. Wow. And she couldn't believe it. She only sat there for maybe two or three minutes. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, you know, I always tell people it's important to try things. I say try something three times. The first time we're kind of skeptical. We're like, mm, I don't know. The second time we're a little curious, like, hmm. And then the third time we can actually experience it. And then you can decide if you want to do it or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, do your clients uh, typically come back after a week or so and um, say, you know, I, like your, like uh, your friend said, I really don't know about this. I'm uncomfortable. This feels weird or, you know, all these things, but then they come back like total converts and really love yes. the the process after experiencing some of the, yeah. the benefits. Yeah, for sure. And it's the thing is, is that, you know, maybe part of it is, you know, people come to therapy because they're, at their end of their rope or they need help. So they're a little bit more open to do w- what maybe I'm suggesting. Mm-hmm. But, you know, part of it is really looking at if I'm not happy with how my life is, you know, doing nothing isn't going to change it. Change will happen. And, and, and I have a theory that every, I found with clients, every three to five years, something external will change your life. If it's your health or money or a relationship or a person or a natural event that happens that just totally shocks your world, it will. So we're meant to change and evolve. So do we have the tools in our toolbox that help us navigate that journey? Mm. Yeah. Wow. What do you think the fear is that people have of, um, getting in touch with their, their, um, their ability to alter the level of stress that they're experiencing. What do you think their fear is in all that? Well, I think sometimes it's, we have to be able to look at what are the component external components that are creating, that are creating a stress. So there is stress. And, and, and if we don't change the stress, it can turn into anxiety. And, and so there are, you know, like if if you're driving to work and it takes a, it's a 45 minute commute. And if you don't leave at a certain time, like, oh my God, it becomes an hour and a half commute. And then you spend that whole hour and a half stressed Mm -hmm. and then anxious or angry or nervous about what my, what's my boss going to do. Then you get to work and you just go into work and you're sitting there and all of that stress is compiling in your body. The best thing to do if that ever happens to you is tell your boss, hey, I need 20 minutes. I'm, you know, I'll stay late. And you get out of your car and you walk for 20 minutes so that you're moving those stress hormones out of your body. A doctor at Stanford, Dr. Spolinsky, he did a whole research on our ancestors who would experience high levels of stress would often be walking, like if you're mm-hmm. chasing by a t- chased by a t- cyber-toothed tiger for maybe 20 minutes 
or an, you know, and then they would end up having to walk an hour back to where their home is. But in that walking, they were able to really release those, the chemical hormones that were, that are pumped into your body. So part of it, it's, it's the, it's, am I willing to make a change? So if I know, if I don't leave by 729, I'm going to hit traffic, then I just have to look, okay, like maybe I have to look at my, my night before, like, what am I doing the night before that gets me into bed that gets, that leads up. And sometimes we don't want to make those changes or we don't know how to make those changes or we want to ignore what, what, you know, and then we, Mm -hmm. but so we get stuck in these cycles. So it's, it's about being willing to sometimes change something somewhere else because it ends up having that ripple effect to when we're really anxious or panicked. Mm. Yeah. Well, you know, it amazes me how much, uh, you know, the degree to which recovery is really learning life skills that some of us, despite the fact that we matured physically uh, and, you know, hold responsible jobs and are looked upon as, uh, you know, full-fledged adult members of society. uh, It's amazing how uh, many of us, Manage just to to uh, to miss. They were not transferred to us basic life skills. Like, you know, I think that was a, a wonderful example of how poor time management mm-hmm. can start this cascading effect of stress that now we're going to deal with with a substance or an activity and mm-hmm. yeah and uh, you know and a yeah part I'm of- grateful. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, a part of it is, you know, most parents do the best they can. I, I, I have two sons, one in high school and one in college. And and most parents, even as a therapist, even as a, you know, yoga meditation expert, I've made mistakes with my kids. It's just human nature. But ideally, each generation is is evolved. Mm-hmm. And, right. you, know, what is, you know, what does evolved means? It means being more aware of cause and effect. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's being able to, you know, I can say to my son, like my, I have my 16 year old who really is into cars and he wants to buy 1999 Civic hatchback. Um, and he's like, mama, he just, you know, they told me it's just fine. I'm like, well, we still have to get it checked by a mechanic. I was like, you know, no, but he says the smog check. It's fine. It's fine. Why are you being so uptight? And I'm like, do you want, do you want to do this on your own? Which is fine. I'll step out and you can learn this experience on your own, or I can do it with you. No, 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 I want you to do it with me. Well, this is how I feel comfortable doing it. Mm-hmm. So instead of being like, we're doing it my way, you're not listening to me, you're being you know, ungrateful, you know, which is a lot of parents, we do that, which mm-hmm. is just our parents did it with us as a great grand, you know, mm-hmm. but it's about being, I have to be unattached to outcome. It's his money. He chose to save the money. It's a lot of money. And it might, he might buy this car and it might not work at all. Mm-hmm. And it's sitting in front of our house. And then that's a lesson he has to learn. I can give him options, but if I force him to, to go into what I think is right, then I'm creating a couple issues. One is I'm taking his experience away from him. And this is not an, yeah. even if it doesn't work out, it doesn't hurt him. He can mm-hmm. learn. Like sometimes the biggest lessons are the most expensive. Mm-hmm. Second is if we dominate our children and tell them what they want to do is wrong, what am I telling him about his self-esteem and who he is as a man, as a person? Mm. What message yeah. did I give that we're, that I didn't even say, but what am I implying yeah. to my 16-year-old yeah. son? Yeah. 
and yeah. undermining yeah. him. And we we learn and grow from from hardship. Mm-hmm. But yeah. what I can do is I can I tell him often when we have conflict, I love you no matter what because I'm your mom. But not everyone's gonna love you. <laughs> so you gotta figure this out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the world, baby. Right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Well, though. that's great. I love that. That's awesome, Modern Nan. Uh, this has been such uh, a delightful and inspiring conversation. For those of us, li- our listeners, who would want to maybe follow up with you, mm-hmm. uh, what is there a way that they can do that? Yeah, they can go to my website, which is just my name.com, mutternan.com. I'm they can email me and I'm happy to share some, you know, insights. I can share meditations with them. I'm happy to do that. Um, my book is on there. It's half the price of Amazon or Barnes and Noble, and I do free shipping in the States. So Wow. Um, oh, good for you. there we are. <laughs> yeah. All right. Prepare for a deluge of orders. Uh, awesome. mine will be among them. Okay. Yeah. Okay, well, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us. Listeners, stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Nate, I I really, really enjoyed this conversation, and um, I especially loved that um, Modern Nan was able to kind of give us a a better science behind the experience of yeah. the mindfulness work and the yoga work. Because, uh, you know, she's right. In, in our uh, communities, uh, we hear a lot of, uh, you know, people kind of misunderstanding that or poo-pooing it, mm-hmm. or minimizing it. There's a, you know, it's kind of uh, cute to poo-poo the the meditation practices sometimes and uh yeah you know it's i i feel like this is she has shown us uh, some really good hard evidence as to why the brain knowing the, that it works the way it does uh respond yeah. to being informed that it is safe you know you know i my one regret david i i don't know do we uh, maybe at some point we're going to need to make the jump to a video podcast yeah, I, I wish our listeners could have seen her. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I mean, she's a she is a lovely woman with a with a very, uh, you know, friendly and expressive face, uh, and talks with her hands. and And at one point, she was demonstrating the how to hold your hands to do the pose for that breathing exercise. Yeah, I think she did a good enough uh, job of describing it that our listeners can follow along. But I just wish our folks could have. I so enjoyed just not only listening to her but watching her uh and i intend to see if uh, i can connect with her on her social media i definitely want to pick up a copy of the stressless brain is that the title yeah the stressless brain and all and right I, yeah and i love the fact that you know it she she kind of uh boiled stress down to some basic expectation that 
I'm attached to the outcome of something. I thought yeah. that's really that's really a good takeaway because um, you know when I think about you know okay why am I stressing out about something why am I why am I so uptight about this why has this got me so wound up um, it's because I'm really really afraid that something is not going to go the way I need it to go yeah and um, I'm I'm so enmeshed in. Uh, the outcome of something or or insisting that I feel a certain way about something uh, mm-hmm. that that it that it creates my anxiety you know it, it reminded me of that principle that Michael Brody Waite gave us about a year ago mm. uh, that principle of do the right thing and surrender the outcome yeah as kind of s- step one uh, as uh, modern and uh, succinctly put it, it's uh, simple but not easy. Right, right. But but absolutely central to lowering the stress level, uh, reducing the self-created stress that causes so much trouble for those of us with addiction in our story. Yeah. Well, I hope our, our listeners take advantage of her, uh, her resources, her book. Um, she's got some good videos, uh, of meditation guides on YouTube. So, um, you know, check her out. Okay. I'll see if I can put some links in, uh, the show notes at, at podbean, podbean.com. Those of you who find us there. Uh, all right. Well, I suppose before we go, David, you ought to have a little bit of a of a mention of our sponsor. We will mention our sponsor, and it is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, BetterHelp.com. Uh, it is an online therapy resource that you can access from your own home. Uh, BetterHelp.com slash Positive Sobriety will uh, get you a discount on your subscription initially, and it will also let us know that the resources we're offering here are things that you all want to take advantage of. But uh, if you will sign on to BetterHelp.com, you'll find that uh, they are there to equip you to uh, uh, confront your depression, your anxiety, your codependency. I mean, all the reasons we go to therapy, uh, they're right there. And if the therapist you start with isn't one that you feel like you continue to resonate with, you can happily uh, be assigned a new uh, therapist as well. So betterhelp.com and slash positive sobriety. All right. Well, I think that does it for this week. It sure has been a a delight talking with you, seeing you again, David. Great job. Great job on lining up the guests, man. You are you, well. You're bringing in the winners. We got more, we've got, and we've got more great guests coming up. Well, thank you. We've got a long list, actually. We've got some people booked into well into summer here, and uh, and and again, the cool thing is because of our listeners, people are starting to find us, and that yeah, um, yeah. always makes uh, that part of the job easier too. So, okay. Well, I guess that does it for this week. Until next time, I'm Nate. I'm David. And we are your pals on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. The Positive Sobriety Podcast is recorded at Crossroads for the Nations in Brentwood, Tennessee. Live producer Rex Schnelli, music by Rex Schnelli, theme music by Matt Ulrich, uh, hair and makeup by Lyle Lovett, uh, wardrobe <laughs> by Kathy Gifford. 